Feeling better? Looking better. Making life better. It's Life Tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Life Tip Show, everyone. I'm here with Ina. Ina, welcome. Thank you. Nice to be here. I'm so excited to talk about food in New York City with you. How fun is that? Oh, I, it was so much fun writing this book. I <laughs> never expected it to be so great. Now, curious question. Did you get any free food as a result of this monstrous research effort that you, that you put forth in sampling and trying food from variety places in the city? Um, actually... Yes and no. Um, somebody very kindly sent me a bag of pralines, which she taught me how to pronounce as pralines. Huh. And everybody, and and um, and I went one place very early in the morning, and they gave me what they serve usually at dessert. So after having had a large breakfast, I then had uh, batter fried Oreos and shot glasses full of ice cream. Other than that, no. Good for you. Yes. Now, now you're not a a world renowned foodie going into the writing of this book. Matter of fact, your background is more in medicine and, and sociology. Tell me what what was the interest in in writing a book about food in the city? Well, I'm actually an investigative journalist, and mm-hmm. I returned to New York after having lived away for nine years in Vermont, hmm. and I noticed that everybody suddenly. <clears throat> was talking about food, but they weren't only talking about food in the city. They were eating food. They were trading pictures of food. They were photographing food. They were actually lining up to buy chocolate chip cookies instead of lining up to go to the theater. So I kind of, I had a sense that something was going on in the food culture. Mm. And it just around that time, I walked past the doorway of a butcher, And I, I decided to walk in and talk to him and ask him what's going on with butchers these days, you know, because you know that very few of them are still left. Uh-huh. And he was so funny, and he, he said the reason there are so few butchers left is they're all dead. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be a butcher anymore. They all want to be movie stars. Mm-hmm. And he said, look around. Do you know anyone wants to be a butcher? Well, he was really, really funny. And after talking to him, I thought to myself, Maybe there are a lot of people like him in New York City, mm. and indeed there were. And mm. so that kind of was the, the way the book was hatched. What does food mean to New York City? Everything. Mm. It's everything. There's, I've never seen anything like this. I live on the Upper West Side, mm. and on Amsterdam Avenue alone, on a Friday night, you can barely walk down the street because... It's restaurant after restaurant after restaurant. And the ones that don't make it in a couple of months shut down, and then a bigger, better version is going to come in. So truly, um, when I say they're no longer lining up for theater tickets, maybe to Hamilton, yes. But there are the halal guys on on 56th and 3rd. I mean, I'm sorry, 53rd and 6th, where people are literally lined up around the block to eat food that's $7 a plate, and they... They sit anywhere they can outside. It's just food has become everything in the city. It's crazy. Hmm. And it's good for me. I'm happy. Hmm. What do you think the the uh, 
food in New York City has done for people connecting with people. I know that sounds crazy, but people want to give recommendations all the time. People are always asking for recommendations. You know, in a great restaurant, what what does food mean for community? Well, I think first of all, a lot of the the smaller coffee shops or other stores like Pan Quotidian have <clears throat> I'm sorry have developed these what they call farmers tables. Even Red Farm, which is a very hot Chinese restaurant in the city. They have these long tables where people tend to sit next to people that they don't know. Mm. And they start discussing what they're eating and what are you eating and what are you eating. So they are finally, other than photographing for Instagram, they finally might put down their cell phones and talk to each other. So Mm -hmm. community, I I would say it's done a lot for community, believe it or not. Mm. To help validate the book, did you feel any pressure to include the famous must-go-to-New-York places to just bring credibility to the work, if you know what I mean? I certainly would have felt that pressure myself, um, you know, even choosing your favorite pizza spot or, you know, the, the top two or three, you know. Um, uh, by the way, was Ray's mentioned in there with your pizza? No. No. Okay. It's my wife's favorite New York City pizza. So there you go. So I would have had to would have included Ray's pizza. <laughs> well, actually, that is a great question. And the answer is that when I, I did, I have a chapter on chefs and among others, line cooks and, and various uh, purveyors, food mm-hmm. people. The chefs, I, I felt obligated not to put in people who everybody knows about. Because everybody knows about them. Mm-hmm. For example, not Eric Repair. So Eric Repair is is very famous. He's the executive chef at Le Bernardin. Instead, mm-hmm. I included his fish butcher, mm-hmm. or or Daniel Bouloud from Daniel. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not want him. He's already got his own book. He's got his own salad dressing. Mm-hmm. I put in his executive pastry chef. And I mean, the stories. Of these people, these are more behind-the-scenes people, people yep. that you've never heard about. What did you find most interesting? What did you learn from somebody, one of your subjects, uh, that was most fascinating to you as an individual? I think the most fascinating day that I had was the day that I went out to Rikers Island um, because I wanted to learn about the largest kitchen in New York City. And I was shocked, first of all, to be able to have them allow me to walk through the jail. But to learn that this five-foot-tall woman is responsible for putting out 47,000 meals every single day. That's the size of Yankee Stadium. Every day. To the inmates and the guards, three meals a day. That somebody is doing that, um, I would say that was probably the most fascinating thing for me. She's Jamaican, as I recall, as well, isn't she? She's a Jamaican woman, exactly, and she's very small, and um, I love her classic line because she was asked at her job interview how she feel about managing the number of people needed to produce such a vast amount of food, and her answer was, it's not really the size of the gun, sir, it's the effect of the bullet. (laughs) Fascinating. Did you try any food out at Rikers Islands at the prison? No, <laughs> I did not. But did I you know see any? Did you smell any? Did you did you flavor any? Yes, I watched them. They were they had um, 
what the rotisserie chickens were going, and mac and cheese, which I guess is a staple. And it, she told me that they get one boiled egg a month, the inmates. Mm. And, the, and, and she told me that they eat at 4.30 in the morning and again at, at 10.30 for lunch and 4.30 again for dinner. And it, it was it was a real eye opener, but the kitchen was spotless. And when I walked in and I started to smell the chickens on the rotisserie, I felt like I was in any supermarket that's local. Hearing that is both good news and bad news. You know, you you kind of wish that you'd you know they'd serve up bricks of charcoal. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but on, on we go. You travel to uh, to five boroughs, I know, as you talk about in the book, and some off-the-beat paces. What were some of the most unusual and off-the-beaten-path uh, uh, stops that you made uh, that struck you as, as uh, quite quite interesting and at the same time important for food in, in the city? Well, I think one of the places was being allowed to go down and watch food being prepared in the kitchens, like the Four Seasons, and and going into the room with the fish butcher and watching him butcher fish mm. at La Bernadette. But also, I went to um, the Bronx, and I went into the um, the meat market and the fish market at Hunts Point. Mm. It, the fish market used to be, it's still called the Fulton Fish Market. Mm-hmm. It is literally a quarter of a mile long. It's the size of the Empire State Building. Mm. And it's freezing in there because they keep the fish. But to, to go in there, Hunts Point, you have to go, if you want to see anything, at 4 o'clock in the morning. Because that's when the people come. Like Sandy Ingber is in the book. He's the executive chef at the Grand Central Oyster Bar, and he talks about going to the fish market at 3 o'clock in the morning and making the rotation three times to pick the fish that he serves there. Mm. So that was really interesting, and going into Sam Solaz, who's um, got at Master Purveyor, the meat market that sells their meat to um, Amy Rubenstein from Peter Luger, both of whom are in Mm. in the book. Mm. So that was really a lot of fun for me, I have to say. Did you learn anything about the second or third generation family members behind some of these businesses that you found interesting? Is there that same passion carried through the generations, or did you pick up on anything that might be suspect to to problems? (laughs) Well, it's funny that you should ask that, because getting back to the fish market, um, the, the man that I interviewed was Bobby Weiss, and he was the third generation. He's like about 50 years old or 45 Third, third generation in uh, Blue Ribbon Seafood, and he pointed out when I arrived there, which was something like 7 in the morning, he pointed out his son, who he hopes will come into the business, he said, but the first thing I have to do is wake him up because the boy was sleeping in the corner. Oh, my God. To, I know. And and the same thing, David, um, David Fox of Fox's You Bet, which in itself was really interesting. Um, his son is going into the business behind him, and 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 also Amy Rubenstein um, from Peter Luger, one of three women at the helm of that restaurant. There's huh. there's no men, but uh, so some of the some of them had sons who just didn't want to have anything to do with it, and others had daughters who did. So um, hmm. I guess it was just a function of of which company. Hmm. Is there a general sense of passion about the business that you still find, you know, you, that you find consistently in all of the all of the people you interviewed and the businesses you took a look at? 
do you need passion to really run a successful business in the food industry in New York? Absolutely. If without passion, um, you have nothing. They because if you think about it, these the line cooks, for example, are they show up sometimes at nine o'clock in the morning and they work until twelve o'clock at night, and they never even see the people who they're cooking for. All they see is a ticket that's that's hung above their um, their station, and yet they go and they go and they go, and these guys don't make any money. Um, two of them were talking; uh, they have stories about what it's really like to go through. They're only allowed to say yes, chef, and no, chef. And uh, if anything happens to them um, it, during the time, like they're cooking and they cut a finger or something, they're not allowed to complain. They just say, tape it up and get back to work. Mm-hmm. So you need passion to stay on a job like that. And then the two line cooks from the Four Seasons have both been there for 16 years and mm-hmm. working at the same station, and yet they love what they do. So, yes, mm. I think in answer to your question, you hit the one word that everybody seems to have. Mm. Let's take a break, everybody. Back in just a minute. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjord, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at WMETraining.com. Do you have cold, hard cash burning a hole in your pocket? Let Cranberry Radio lighten your load. Just hand us that burdensome dinero, and we'll get you set up with your very own radio show. We produce, edit, and amplify the show. All you have to do is show up. It's time for you to make an impact. We're glad to help. Just hand over the cash. Space is limited. So contact us now at sales at cranberry.fm. Money doesn't go on trees. So you'll probably have a better chance of growing your business with cranberries. What? Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Much for being here. I'm having fun. Thanks a lot. Good stuff. Now, we have to get a few recommendations from you. I must get them. And I think I'm going to be probably heading to New York. So even before the show airs, I'm going to go to some spots you might recommend. How can we not ask you some recommendations? 
where would you go for dot dot dot? Let's let's even have you perhaps make some recommendations. But for say French cuisine in the city, what's the finest dining experiences, and then maybe the most unusual off the beaten track for those that might be interested? Okay, so for French dining, I would I would go to Daniel. Hmm. Um, that it's 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 pricey. There's no question about that. But there are fewer and fewer great French restaurants in the city. So I would suggest that one or Jean-Georges, which is um, another fabulous French restaurant. My favorite Chinese restaurant Mm. is is Red Farm, which is on the Upper West Side. Mm. But and and I, I interviewed Eddie Schoenfeld, who's been running that place with just he it's it's spectacular. The only problem is there's no reservations there. Mm. So you have to wait outside or and if it's cold it's not easy, but people stand there anyway because it's so worth it. Mm-hmm. And then the old the oldest Chinese restaurant going the other direction mm. in New York City is called Nomwa. N O M dash W A and that's down in the depths of Chinatown. Mm. So I would recommend that also. That's that's really delicious and a lot of fun. If you want to get out of the city you can go for phenomenal pizza. Maybe you'll take your wife and she'll find a different place than Ray's. Um, take her to Staten Island, mm-hmm. to Danino's Pizza. Mm-hmm. Which I've, heard, is, I've heard of that, yeah. F- yep. Fabulous. fabulous. What about Japanese sushi? I mean, do you go to Nobu, or where do you, what do you think? Well, Nobu's wonderful, but the hot, hot place now for sushi is Sushi Nakazawa. Mm. And I think if you that this the fellow Dezuki Nakazawa, who for mm. whom the place is is named, the story is phenomenal. Um, very briefly, a, a, an Italian restaurateur watched the movie Jiro Dreams of Sushi mm. and spotted Nakazawa and said, "I've got to bring him here." And he got him to come here using Google Translate. <laughs> and within, within a matter of opening three weeks or four weeks afterwards, they were four stars from the New York Times. So that's wow. a real, yeah, it's a real experience. What's the atmosphere like there? It is, there's a bar, it's mm-hmm. a sushi bar. Mm-hmm. And I think it seats 12 people. Mm. And, then, and then they have maybe... Ten tables in the back. I interviewed both of these people because you know this is an oral history, so they tell the story themselves. And mm-hmm. I interviewed Dasuki Nakazawa, who speaks no English, mm-hmm. and I speak no Japanese. Mm-hmm. And and we sat in the back at the table with everybody laughing at us, mm-hmm. but we got the interview. And it's it's a really beautiful restaurant. It's down in the village, mm-hmm. and um, I recommend it. The thing is that you need to book pretty far in advance. Terrific. Good to know. Yeah. What about Italian? Uh, my favorite. Um, <laughs> it's hard It's hard to name an Italian restaurant. Yes. There are so many of them. Mm-hmm. I happen to like, personally, a place called Sibo Ivino, which is um, it's on 89th and Broadway. It's a very small little place, but lovely, and that's where I go for Italian food. Hmm. What about the big-name Italian uh, spots that, that people would at least recognize that you could toss out there as a name? Because there's just well, so many. I'm with you, but gosh. I don't Pats- know where- Patsy's has been around forever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's one of the big names. There's a place called um, Da Tommaso. 
Mm. which is over way over on the west side. Mm. Um, I'm eating there this week for the first time, but I, I've heard about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, other than that, I mean, it's, they, they come and they go, and as far as the big ones, the, the really big ones have become so commercial that I hesitate to even recommend them because a lot of them are just kind of touristy. Mm. Are there – tell us about um, – uh, well, I have to have some more recommendations too. Would you? What about unusual Greek restaurants? Anything unusual there that pops to mind? Mm, not really. No. Yeah. Not yeah. really. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm, I, I there's there's a place called well actually Mediterranean. Two, yes, I love there's there's a few Mediterranean. There's Malivos, mm. <coughs> which is on uh, I think it's Sixth Avenue Midtown. Um, Malivos is, is has great Mediterranean food. Mm. Um, Milos has Greek fish mm. and is wonderful. That's also in Midtown. A lot mm. of a lot of places in Midtown, by the way, mm. um, are opening up. It's the Midtown Manhattan, which started out not very busy now with restaurants, is is doing great. Mm. Um, what about New World cuisine? Mm. Really fresh, different, unusual. Well, yes. There's, there's. Um, let me see. New world cuisine. I, you know, I'll tell you what I love. Mm. A, a place that's different. Mm. There's the 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 Plaza Food Court, mm. which is in the basement of the Plaza Hotel. It's it's new-ish. It's about three years old, and you sit at bars. Like you're sitting, for example, say you go for a, a hamburger, maybe you're going to sit at a hamburger counter, or you mm-hmm. go for sushi, you're at a sushi counter. And yet they have all kinds of food and different stations, and you can order anything. So your wife, for example, could order pizza, and you could order sushi, and it con- and you could be sitting at a place where they make nothing but crab cakes. Mm-hmm. So that's really um, very the food there is really fresh and delicious. And if you're looking um, for vegetarian, mm. there's um, Dirt Candy is supposed to be a really great place now. It's mm. just opened up another. Um, it's it's opened up in a new venue. Mm. Um, there's a woman named April Bloomfield who's got. This is downtown in Tribeca. Um, she has the Spotted Pig, mm-hmm. which is a really hot spot. Um, Chelsea Market is a great, fun mm. place to go, mm-hmm. and it's you can shop at all. Dizengoff is a new um, hummus Mediterranean area there, and they have Israeli food. They have great lobster, if you don't mind standing up and rubbing shoulders with people. But that's I that's a real experience to go down to Chelsea Market, I think. Finest dining seafood restaurant that you would recommend in the city? Uh, hands down, La Bernadette. Mm-hmm. It's really one of the best seafood restaurants I've ever been to. And how about it's, it's, yeah. how about ambiance? Well, La Bernadan again. Um, Just again. overall best ambiance, best environment in the city. I have to say La Bernadan. <laughs> Those were three categories we just went through, Laverne. Um, <laughs> well, what's a, that I mean, restaurant that I believe closed that had the most unusual experience that the sun would set right on that avenue at a certain time of the year? I think it was it was, was it called the Palms, the the the, the, the Palm maybe. 
Well, the palm is a great steak recipe. Oh, no, no, no. It's not. It, it wasn't the palm. They had they had a palm tree in there. That's why I'm getting confused. It was That's a, so interesting. Yes, it was. It was literally like one day of the year. The sun would set right on the on the on the on the cross street where the sun would melt right down the center of the street. Fascinating. That they call that Stonehenge now of mm. New York City, but I don't know the restaurant. I'm sorry to say. Interesting. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I will I get know. back to you on that. My wife knows the name of it, but I believe it, it closed down. It was a very famous eating establishment and fine dining establishment. They had palm trees in the in the in the. It was fine dining. It was a five five star, maybe a Michelin three star restaurant. I can't remember. Well, you um, know the four. Are you talking about the Four Seasons? Ah, that just that just closed. That must be it. You go up oh, up an escalator, yeah. go up an escalator to get to where the dining room is, and there's a bar on the outside. Not not it, there's a bar on one side, and then the restaurants on the other side yes. of the street. Yes. Okay, yeah, oh, that was it. What was the name of that restaurant, though? Well, was it called the Four Seasons? The Four Seasons. Uh, if you're saying a bar on the other side of the street, no. On no, the no, no, street. not on the other side of the street. It was just you go up an escalator, and the bar is yes. to the left, and the dining room is yes. to the right. Yes, that's yeah. the Four Seasons. What was and the name of that yeah. restaurant? Do you remember? Uh, the restaurant was called the Four Seasons. Oh, and was the it? Grill, and the grill room, if that's the one you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, th- that's totally it. That's it. And and it was a, and it's very possible because it's in the Seagram's building, and it's upstairs, and it it. It was the saddest story in the world that 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 place closed, and that was really just very recently. Yes, it was in July it closed. I believe that's right. Yeah. yeah. What was the story behind it? What happened there? Do you know? Yes. What happened was it's been open for fifty years, mm-hmm. and a new owner took over the Seagrams building, mm-hmm. and he decided that the two owners. Julian and Alex von Bitter were just too old, although, of course, they were not. And he wanted to get in some new young blood, so he brought in um, the Teresi group from downtown, and they're going to redo the Four Seasons. And and everybody, Kissinger used to eat there, Robert Rubin used to eat there, and Mm -hmm. a winter goes all the time, Mm -hmm. Newhouse, all the hot shots in business and publishing. Yes. That was their place. Yeah. And. And so they're trying, I think, to find a new place, or maybe they have found one. But you know, and I know, that those things can never be replicated. Once they're gone, they're gone. Yeah, yeah. What was the biggest surprise you learned? Uh, what shocked you? Although that's pretty shocking data that you told me right there. But what uh, what, what was what was unusual? What was Most unusual? unusual. Okay. There's a fellow named Mohammed Abulini hmm. who is an an Egyptian guy who came, he was a veterinarian in Egypt, and he came here to make a better life for himself. And he ended up selling hot dogs and pretzels in Central Park. Mm -hmm. And somebody offered this man, and by the way, when I interviewed him, that was another place in the Bronx, in the depths, just I had no idea where I was and and you asked me some of the the darker places. That was one of his office was one of them. Hmm. Anyway, he told me this story about how he was asked to take over this special um, food stand, which turned out to be the Halal Guys, hmm. on 53rd and 6th Avenue. And he started working that and working that and really working hard. And the bottom line is, he has he he opened up two brick and mortar stores. 
and he has just sold his 375th franchise. They are now lined up in Los Angeles. They're all over. They're in Europe. They're in Asia. This guy who just started out selling hot dogs and pretzels is now a a gazillionaire, probably. Isn't that something? How's the food? Did you taste it, or did you just interview him? How is it? It is fantastic. They have a white sauce that everybody, he won't tell anyone what's in his special white sauce mm-hmm. uh, because everybody wants to know. You know, they some people say that, you know, maybe there's a drug that's bringing you all back all the time. <laughs> Obviously not. But, but, but this guy, just with some hard work and a lot of passion and some determination and a lot of good luck, mm. ended up with with 375 franchises and my daughter who lives in LA said to me they are already lined up around the block in LA. How do people even know to do that? Cuz there's halal stands all over New York City and yet they seem to find this one stand. Isn't that interesting? It is. Let's let's end on a sweet note. No sure. pun intended. <laughs> Favorite pastry stories, pastry oh. chef stories or pastry okay. uh, spots. My favorite. My favorite chef story is Gaia Oliveira, who is now the executive pastry chef at Daniel, was an economist in Tunisia. Hmm. And she got a phone call from her sister, who was in New York City, unmarried, pregnant, and just diagnosed at stage four Hmm. cancer, asked Gaia to please come and raise her child for her. Hmm. And Gaia said... That she said, you know what this means if I do that, and 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 her sister said, I want you to promise me you will not leave New York City. So Gaia came, spoke no English, started as a dishwasher, hmm. and and worked her way up. Her story is one of my favorites in the book. She worked her way up. At 33, she became the executive pastry chef at the hottest restaurant in New York City. Now that if that's not a New York story, I don't know what is. That is fantastic. What a great note to leave on. I have to tell yep. you, it has been a joy to talk with you. Oh, thank you. It's been my pleasure. Really a lot of fun. I know. I can only top this by having dinner with you sometime in New York City. <laughs> I would love that. Anytime. I'll pick the restaurant or you can pick from my book. <laughs> Fair enough. It's been a pleasure with you today. So enjoyed thank it. Thanks you. again for being with us. And I have two two final questions, just because my guests really love them. And that is, number one, who would you like to get a hold of you? And number two, how can they get a hold of you? You can email me anytime Mm -hmm. at Ina Yaloff, I-N-A-Y-A-L-O-F as in Frank, Mm -hmm. at Mm gmail.com. Or you can go on my website if they want to know more about the book, Mm -hmm. which is inayaloff.com. Terrific. And who would you like to hear from? Who would I uh, I would love to hear from any one of the people listening to this broadcast, really. I'm just I'm having the best time with people popping out of the woodwork. Everybody is loving this book. I I'm I think that my publisher is equally shocked as I am because it has resonated so much, but that's a lot of that, of course, I attribute to the people who tell their stories. I mean, like Wilson Tang from Nomwa ended up talking about being on the 44th floor when the plane went into the mm. World Trade Center. Wow. Things, things you don't expect. Mm. 
you know, the the guy who was the survivor of the Holocaust mm-hmm. who jumped off the train. Those kind of stories were amazing. So it's really resonated with with everybody. But if I had to pick someone to call me up and say, come on, let's have lunch, other than you, <laughs> <laughs> um, it would probably be Eric Repair or Daniel Boulud from Daniel because those guys, I didn't interview them um, uh, specifically because I didn't want to, but they're still they are the rock stars as far as I'm concerned, along with Anthony Bourdain in New York City. Well, Eric and Danielle, if you're listening in, which you probably are not, but let's hope that they are, uh, do reach out. What a great interview, and I'm sure this interview and your great work will, will help you achieve that goal and any other you might have in the food industry in New York. So thanks again very much for, for being with us. Oh, it was such a pleasure to talk to you, and I'm going to hold you to that lunch date. Indeed. Let's do it. (laughs) Let's do it. You know how to find me. I do indeed. Thanks again for listening in, everyone. It was a great uh, great show today. We'll see you next week. I hope your life's a little smarter, better, faster, particularly when it comes to New York City and great food. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Okay. Take care. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited 